you know, similar to the internet on the mobile, everything which um, was in the non-internet and non-mobile world moved to the internet. So, you know, things like the newspaper, you know, newspaper went online, um, shopping went online, uh, education went online, art went online, um, tra travel went online. So every single industry went onto the internet, you know, same with the mobile, every single in industry went onto the um onto mobile you know if, if it didn't have an app or there wasn't an app for it then you know there's an opportunity to build an app for it so it's the same with the token and, and blockchain world you know if, if there isn't a decentralized app or a token for a particular industry or, or a particular business then there is an opportunity you know if there's a supermarket which is centrally owned and centrally run it's an opportunity for you to create a supermarket which is decentralized in ownership and decentralized in the way it operates so we, we think this is going to you know ignite so much innovation and it's such a big opportunity and, and we think we're very close to that. What, what it takes is just a few case studies, you know, a few hundred case studies of projects which do this. And then people are going to go, wow, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to apply it to my existing business and then it's going to really transform. This is season two of Voices of the Data Economy, a podcast supported by Ocean Protocol Foundation. We bring to you the voices shaping the data economy and challenging it at the same time. Listen to founders, tech policy experts, and pioneers in impact investing, all sharing their relationship with data. Hello and welcome. And today we have not one, but two guests with us, uh, Michael and Yip. The one thing common about both of them is that they are both founders of UNIT. UNIT is a blockchain project built with Polkadot ecosystem. They are also both advocates of token economy and how tokens could probably contribute to the democratization of data and help in all the inequality in the society. Michael is based in Bali, Indonesia, and Yip is in Munich. So, before we begin, it's important to talk about what is their relationship with data. So we'll start with you, Michael. Since you have experience in uh, developing apps and you also developed the Android app for WikiLeaks at the age of 16, it would be interesting to know from your perspective, how do you look at the concept of uh, data ownership? And how do you think it has changed in the last few years as all these companies continue to develop uh, products? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Um, I think, you know, data is really the underlying value for almost any um, Web 2.0 or uh, Web 1.0 project or business. So if you think about the likes of Netflix or you think of Facebook or Google or Amazon, you know, what makes these companies extremely, extremely valuable is this data. And, you know, mentioning about what's coming next in terms of the data revolution, the cool thing about Web 3.0 or the blockchain revolution is where the people have access to the, the, their, their own data and they're not bounded by these walls and, and gates that these uh, big uh, tech companies have. So it's really power back to the people. And that's what makes me so excited. And Yip, what is your definition of data ownership and how do you look at it? Um, and particularly in your role, do you think you're working towards uh, democratizing data in any way? Well, we are working towards solving the inequitability problem, right? This has like, how do you solve inequity by helping people to gain ability to contribute to shaping the economy of tomorrow. I think that's a way of like 
showing democracy, like helping everyone in the world to be able to navigate this entire world. And thereby, one way of how to do that is education. Right. So what we do is in, in, in unit and in particular, my role in unit masters is to provide education in a way that is efficient and effective so that in a very structured and fast way, everyone can participate in that new, I would say, El Dorado of vast opportunities that we're building in the Web3 economy. And how does it work? Well, everywhere you have a lot of data. Internet basically provides a lot of free data to everyone, but data alone is not inside, right? Data needs to be clustered and clustered into clusters of data, which are information. And then information needs to actually be connected so it can become an insight. And the moment a person owns the process of making insights for themselves out of a bunch of random data, that is the moment they, in my view, own the data and own like have a passport to shaping, not only consuming, but contributing to the world of tomorrow. And so basically looking back at data ownership, data democracy, we actually also need to look at the skills and um, help everyone who wants to contribute, contribute in a way that is meaningful to them but in a way also that no one is left behind. So a world of zero exclusivity driven by the ownership of data and the ability to connect data into insights. Okay. Well, I'm glad you spoke about two important things, education and also about, you know, what you're doing at UNIT. And we'll dive deeper into that also in the subsequent part of the podcast. But one thing probably that we've never spoken about this in podcast uh, before is the role of tokens and token economy as such. And uh, both of you, particularly you, Michael, are, are a big advocate of uh, token economy and you've spoken about it and you feel it's going to solve a lot of problems, inequality, etc. So just for an overview, um, give us a view of what token economy is and why do you think it's going to solve um, these problems? Yep, great, great question. So the token economy is super exciting because it basically refers to an economy which is driven by tokens. And, and what are tokens? So, you know, the concept of tokens is super new. It's kind of similar to, you know, 30 years people discussing what is this thing called the internet, you know? So tokens at the moment, when people think about coins or tokens, they think about Bitcoin, they think about Ethereum, they think about, you know, the blockchain. But, you know, what, how, how we view tokens is that they're just a way for value to flow around the economy much more efficiently and freely and a way to share and distribute value in a more equitable way. So Yip mentioned and alluded to the point earlier about solving inequity or, you know, creating a more equitable and, and, you know, why, why is the world not as equitable now as it should be? So it's, we believe that, you know, currently the way the world works is the people benefit from thing from businesses, organizations doing well are the founders and the investors. So the people who start companies and the people who invest in them. And then the other side, you know, the customers and the employees without them, you know, businesses, organizations, they won't be able to thrive or survive. You know, without the employees, you've got nobody who's working on operating and making the, the, the project work. Without the customers, you know, the employees, the founders, and the investors have no customer base to provide products and services to. However, you know, when a, a 
project like Uber, you know, becomes worth $80 billion on the stock exchange, none of it goes to the 2 million drivers. So the really exciting uh, vision of the token economy is where everything in the world has a token, you know, whether it's your local restaurant, you know, it's your friend who's an artist, it's your uh, friend who runs an agency, it's this project that you read about in the newspaper, it has a token, you can buy into it. Um, you have an idea for a project, you create tokens. So th that is, I, I guess, a really quick sum up of the token economy and what, we're, what we believe in it to be the future. And would you like to add something, Yip, and probably also on where does UNIT really come into the picture? Because you um, you help in launching tokens as one of uh, you know the things that you do at UNIT. So where does really UNIT come into the picture? How are you helping the token economy evolve? So just to build on what Michael said earlier about the token as a container that enables the flow of economic transactions in a world where every stakeholder who helps contribute value can have a fair share in it. Right, that's, that's the token economy and the idea behind it. And the token economy is also, or actually unit, is what is providing the tech infrastructure on, on base layer to enable that internet of value to come to life. So how we're actually doing it is we have different features inbuilt on, on the tech layer, but maybe I, I think it's better, Michael, if you share about it as being our CTO behind driving, <laughs> building the tech infrastructure. Most definitely. So I guess, you know, um, like what is unit? Like what is the unit network? What is the token economy? How does it work? So we think it's it, like um, it comes in phases. So, you know, a lot of people who know about cryptocurrencies or tokens, they think, you know, which, what should I build on? You know, or uh, I want to make a token. What do I make it on? Um, or I want to build a decentralized application. What do I build it on? And, you know, we think this, um, this technology of the blockchain is going to become commoditized. And what, what that basically means is if you look at the innovation of, of technology over time, um, you know, you go back 40, 50 years, people used to talk about, you know, which hardware they were they going to get. Were they going to get HP? Were they going to get a um, Compaq? Were they going to get a Dell? You know, like which hardware? Then, you know, the hardware didn't matter. We moved to the operating system. So it's like, should I use Windows? Should I use Mac? Uh, should I use uh, Linux? Should I use Ubuntu? And then, you know, everything moved to the the the, um, the internet. You know, it didn't matter. The desktop software, the operating system, it's all went to the web. And then soon enough, it moved from the web to the mobile, you know, so it didn't matter. On the, on the web because it's all like iPhone or Android. You know, what we see next is, you know, at the moment people are like trying to say, hey, my blockchain is better than this blockchain because it's got so many transactions a second. It's more decentralized, blah, blah, blah. What will confidence going to happen next is going to become commoditized, meaning that it's not going to matter which chain you issue your token on. It's not going to matter which um, platform you're using, you know, to put uh, data on. It's, it's just going to become commoditized. And how it, well, the cool thing about, you know, the blockchain is that it's decentralized. So the idea that, you know, even though Yip and myself, you know, we're, we're the co-founders alongside our extremely um, passionate and talented team, you know, we, we, we aren't in a position to be able to take the whole thing down. So if, if you know, we, we changed as individuals or we changed as, you know, people, as the co-founders, it, it wouldn't be in our position to, 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 you know, change in a way which suits us or is putting in jeopardy the community. It's kind of similar to like a language, you know, if, if let's say you came out of a language and you taught this language to the two of us and we taught it to a bunch of people, you couldn't just turn please into a really um, vulgar word. You know, you've taught mm -hmm. it to us, we understand that to be the case. Or mathematics, you know, it's kind of like once we agree on, on a truth, you know, or we agree on, on symbols, then it, it, it reaches this consensus. It isn't down to an, a particular individual to, to be able to, to change it. So I hope that was a good um, 
analogy. Yeah. And also, you know, we always try to talk also to in beginner language, sort of in our podcast. And there might be a lot of people who are hearing the term Polkadot for the first time. So, and you are building this on Polkadot, right? So if you could just give um, people who are not familiar with Polkadot, what is it and why Polkadot? Most definitely. So I guess, you know, a lot of people have heard about Bitcoin. Um, if you haven't heard about Bitcoin, Bitcoin is, is, is like a decentralized bank. You know, it's a decentralized mm. uh, way of transferring value and storing value. It started about 11 years ago, 2008, 2009, after the global financial crisis. Um, and then a few years later, you know, Vitalik Buterin, he, he wanted to build, improve Bitcoin, but they didn't let him improve Bitcoin. So he launched um Ethereum and Ethereum talks about smart contracts. It's like a you know decentralized payments is cool. Like Bitcoin offers. What's even better is is building other decentralized things like a decentralized social network, a decentralized news platform, a decentralized um, you know marketplace. So Ethereum basically let everyone build on top of this one. It's called general purpose uh, blockchain. This general purpose computer. But then the unfortunate thing is everyone's trying to do everything on this one single highway on this one blockchain. You know, so mm. the cool thing about Polkadot, it's from the uh, person who, you know, built the built Solidity, the coding language for, for Ethereum. And he said, you know, if I, I was to build this again, how would I do better? You know, and he thought, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a way for you to build your own Ethereum. And when you build your own Ethereum, you know, on top of this thing called Polkadot, we're going to connect your version, your blockchain to another blockchain. We're going to create application-specific blockchains, so blockchains which work for a particular application. So in the case of the unit network, you know, we believe that we're the most advanced and simple um, token builder. So we're, we're, the, we're the blockchain for the token economy. And we basically allow tokens to be created and allow them to thrive. Okay. And coming back to token economy, like how big is it right now? And um, I mean, how many tokens can I really expect in the future? And how will I ever assess that which token to really go for, which is legit, um, and, and what are the answers answers to these questions? Uh, it's a great, great question. So like, what, how big is the token economy? So, it, you know, I guess what are tokens, coins and tokens are quite similar. The difference between a coin and a token, a coin has its own blockchain. But if you look at tokens, it's about 8,000 tokens. And if you count, you know, the crypto market cap or the token market cap, it's, you know, between two to trillion, two to three trillion dollars which, you know, sounds like a lot of money, but it's only, you know, the biggest company in the world is, is Apple, which is about two to three trillion. Uh, Tesla, you know, just crossed over being worth one trillion. And that's just one company. And if you think about the number of people and the number of company in the world, companies in the world, you think, you know, a lot of governments are way bigger than companies. Uh, a company is like a subset of a government. So, um, you know, there are about seven, eight billion people in the world. We think each person is going to have a token. We think more than having a personal token, they're going to have, you know, a token for their community, a token for, you know, their different businesses and projects. So, you know, we think there's going to be, you know, 10 billion tokens or like eight to nine to 10 billion tokens. And, you know, we're at a stage now, there's 8,000 tokens. So, you know, if this was a party, you know, the music hasn't turned on, there's, you know, nobody here. We're just such early days. So when you look at like 2.5 trillion dollars, it sounds like a lot, but it's really you know, just scratching the surface in terms of what's to come for how big this industry and economy would be. And another good analogy is to, you know, you think about mobile. So when Instagram got bought by Facebook for a billion dollars, it was 18 months old. It had 30 million users. And people were like, wow, isn't it crazy that Facebook is spending a billion dollars of cash to buy this new picture of camera application? You know, mm -hmm. the Apple could just add filters into their camera app and just kill Instagram. But then, um, you know, it turned out to be an amazing um, 
acquisition because um, Facebook's most valuable asset is now Instagram. They, they saw the opportunity of mobile. So, you know, most people in the world, most companies, most leaders, they don't see yet the, the potential and possibility of tokens. So I guess our responsibility and our vision and our mission and our purpose behind Unit is to really bring the, the future and, and the value of tokens to, to the entire world. And uh, how many tokens have you helped launch? I mean, does that question make sense? Yep. So there's about 200 tokens uh, being which have been issued on the unit network at the moment. Okay. And you know we're we're launching our unit ventures program starting January. So 30 30 projects will go to our ventures program in the first batch. Our second batch we increase this to 100, and then uh, we want to work to a point where it's a thousand projects every batch. So our batches run for three months. We have four batches a year, so it's a thousand times four. So we expect to have 4,000 projects going through our unit ventures program every year. And we think that this will serve as a nice base for the entire token economy. And do you also have like parameters about uh, judging which token you want to actually help launch? And, you know, are there rejections? I mean, I don't know if, uh, so how do you really assess that? And what's your, um, what's what's your like say checklist how do i make it so it's tomorrow i can't be like okay i want to launch a token so let's launch a diksha token because i'm a content creator and it's a great idea i, I think you know <laughs> if you launch a diksha token i would i would buy some and i'd love to you know support what you do and help it grow successful and how do we tell you know what is the underlying value of the diksha token there is this concept of a treasury so you know this this concept of a treasury it's really simple but it's also super revolutionary and nobody else has done it in the, the, the mm -hmm. blockchain or token ecosystem. And it basically means that, you know, if I have a Michael token and you have a Dixit token, and both of us have a thousand tokens each, so a Michael token, there's a thousand Michael tokens, a thousand Dixit tokens, a thousand Yip tokens. If there's nothing in the treasury, it means that, you know, if someone bought each of our tokens and, you know, we we, we, we kind of gave up on the token or we ran away, they, they would lose a hundred percent of whatever they bought. So if they bought it at a dollar and there's zero dollars in the treasury, then you know it would drop from a dollar to fifty cents to forty to thirty to twenty to ten to five to zero effectively. But if there was five hundred dollars in the Diksha Treasury, that means that at least the lowest price of the Diksha token is going to be fifty cents. Meaning that you know someone might pay three dollars for it, they might pay seven dollars, twenty dollars for it. But if people start selling it, it won't drop below fifty cents because there's a thousand Diksha tokens and there's five hundred dollars. So it, it sounds very simple. You know, put funds into a Treasury. The, the treasury is providing this fundamental book value but why it's super interesting is because then you can provide products and services you can create lots of value for the world and this is going to you know generate profit which which you put into the, the treasury and when your treasury value goes up you know your floor price increases and then your token price goes up so it, it gives a level of you know economic fundamentals and and for instance if the yip token has gone up five times in price you know the two of us can go wow you know I understand why the YIP token has gone up so much in price because, you know, mm -hmm. YIP has done a really good job to build up her treasury. You know, she's providing amazing products, amazing services, and, and this is generating profit, which she puts into the treasury. So I, I think this, this is super cool as a way of addressing and understanding how to value uh, different tokens. Because currently, you know, you can look at different coins and tokens on two popular sites, CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko, and you're like, wow, this project is worth it. tens of billions, this one's hundreds of millions, but there's no like as you say parameter for assessing what is the underlying value that's being created or generated or backing up the token but you know the unit treasury really solves for that and the unit treasury is centralized or decentralized decentralized so you know everything oh, wow. which we're doing it, what we're doing in unit is is with a web 3.0 decentralized uh, approach from day one so um, okay 
you know, we wouldn't be doing something if, if we couldn't, you know, move it to a point of complete decentralization or it wouldn't, um, it would require a central actor. So, um, and the cool thing is, you know, the Diksha treasury, you know, you put these funds in the treasury, we don't have to trust you that, you know, the money is there. It's held in digital assets. Once you put funds in there, the only people that can access it are myself and Yip, who own 10% of the Diksha tokens. So, you know, if nobody buys the, these tokens from us, mm -hmm. we can go to the treasury and claim 10% of, of the treasury and give back our 10% of tokens. So it really is, is an effective way of doing, creating this full price. So great, Michael. I want to come back to your life in Indonesia and Bali that I'm very envious of. But before that, I'll <laughs> have a little bit of chat with Yip as well. So um, Yip, you know, we were talking about Axie Infinity and in one of the previous podcasts, we uh, featured them and they're a project from Vietnam on Play to Earn. And sort of that, it really, uh, you know, um, intrigued my interest in uh, particularly Asia that what are the kind of crypto projects or use cases uh, that are come in the Web3 economy that are coming from Asia. So um, do you think you'll be able to give us a sense of um, like how far Asia is when it comes to crypto projects and innovation in Web3? And are there any interesting use cases that come to your mind? So... I think what will drive crypto adoption in in the future is um, two things that Michael has already briefly mentioned. One is mobile adoption. So the moment everybody is like uh, on their mobiles and can do everything from their mobile, which is typically the younger population, the moment we have like instant connectivity and adoption across all. So a few things that need to be solved there is just create ways for everyone to participate in internet, right? We are already having a few companies or organizations, projects coming up that provide decentralized internet, helping the, let's say, instead of having the unbanked only gain banking, also the unconnected to gain connectivity. So I think that's where you're gonna see a lot of use cases, in particular looking at economies like Vietnam, where the average age is something around 25 years old. It's completely a different world than what you're seeing in Germany, where the average age is like 45 years old. That's where I live at the moment, where we have very little crypto adoption. You look at the e economies of the future, it's actually at a stage where people can learn actually in unit masses. We see that after six weeks of training, basic training, people are already going out and issuing their own tokens or inspired to create their own tokens to launch their mom and pop businesses, right? It, one of the use cases or categories of use cases we have in unit economy is actually we provide um, tools for the long tail tokens, like for people who wanna go crypto native with like very predictable businesses, like businesses with predictable revenue streams come onto the token economy. So what you would see in the future is hopefully not too far away actually from the moment that we are speaking that like a restaurant in the neighborhood can provide um, a, a token service for their community. Others can create education services for their community. And it's like small things that you will see popping up super, super fast in the emerging economies, not only talking about Asia, for example, we can also talk about Africa, where I've been last week, just spending a week teaching, you know, startups about how to tap into the blockchain economy. What you're seeing is like now people come back with thinking of how can we actually solve like problems such as um, very, very high interest rates because of like inefficient banking structures. How can we de de provide decentralized banking services? How can we provide 
um, collateralization, building on the existing social bank clubs that are run across different um, economies already in Southeast Asia with the microfinance lending clubs or in Africa, we have a lot of these coming up. So overall, I, I think the bigger use cases we're seeing, apart from like gaming in the metaverse, which Axie Infinity is already doing, it's great. We will see actually more fundamental use cases on the long tail token economy side. Yeah. And if you have to like say the top uh, three use cases that you can vouch for, could I ask what would they be? I'd be curious to see Michael, <laughs> to hear what Michael was saying about that. I'm happy to add mine. Most definitely. So I think, you know, similar to the internet on the mobile, everything which um, was in the, in the non-internet and non-mobile world moved to the internet. So, you know, things like um, the, the, the newspaper, you know, newspaper went online, um, shopping went online, uh, education went online, art went online, um, tra travel went online. So every single industry went onto the internet, you know, same with the mobile, every single in industry went onto the, um, onto mobile, you know, if, if it didn't have an app or there wasn't an app for it, then, you know, there's an opportunity to build an app for it. So it's the same with the token and, and blockchain world. You know, if, if there isn't a decentralized app or a token for a particular industry or, or a particular business, then there is an opportunity. You know, if there's a supermarket which is centrally owned and centrally run, it's an opportunity for you to create a supermarket which is decentralized in ownership and decentralized in the way it operates. So we, we think this is going to, um, you know, ignite so much innovation and it's such a big opportunity. And, um, and, and we think we're very close to that. What, what it takes is just a few case studies, you know, a few hundred case studies of projects which do this. And then people are going to go, wow, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to apply it to my existing business and it's going to really transform. Okay. And you second that, Yip? Yeah. I personally, I'm quite, you know, very um, optimistic about different layers of the tech stack. When you look at the security layer, like base base layer of technology, we will see hopefully in the future a lot of decentralized initiatives. Like I could imagine women run staking notes, right? Like women in in villages, for example, that come together, have a lending club and so on and learn how to provide decentralized infrastructure in a way that is like generating income for them. And with that income, for example, they can then uh, go and fund other small token economy projects using the unit chain. Um, this is one of the use cases. The second use case, I think everything related to helping the gaming, the metaverse economy come to life. So what we're seeing is in the future, a lot of time people will spend time in these VR, AR, mixed reality environments. And all of this needs like creators and so on. So a lot of people can already start to earn a living producing content like this is so important it's not about consuming gaming but being able to consume it and produce at the same time so you can become a creator in that new economy and already play and earn but also create and earn and i think this is something mm. you know that will reduce a lot of inequities in the market because right now if you don't have education and you don't have proper training all that is left for you is like not good revenue creating opportunities right and we can close that gap and within the blockchain economy, like it, it's very, very easy to get into it and contribute from day one. We are still, and I think I would just want to add to that when you asked earlier, how big is the market actually? 
you know, the global, if you look at World Bank data, for example, the global stock market is 100, 100 trillion. So if we have two to three trillion, like Michael said earlier, we had two, three percent of possible stock market. And then if you take into account all this inflation and so on, which is not incorporated in that, you can see mm -hmm. that we have a lot of like 30x, 40x, 50x room to grow within the next, like, you know, very um, seizable time, time frame. Yeah. Wow, I'm glad you spoke about, what did you say? Create and earn. And uh, talking of create to earn, uh, Michael, uh, correct me if I'm wrong in this information, but I think you, in, uh, you are based in Bali right now, correct? Okay, awesome. And you, I, I heard one of your interviews where you spoke about a sort of co-living village of artists and creators and now we see a lot of artists and creators actually you know trying to understand blockchain and token and nfts so tell us about your groundwork there like what are you trying to do with this um co-living village and is it something that is create and earn related to create and earn Great question, Disha. Uh, so, you know, if you think of fashion, you know, many people think of Milan, they think of Paris, they, if people ask about, you know, internet, they think of like Silicon Valley or San Francisco, like with tokens, the blockchain, the crypto world, it isn't really a hub, you know, it's kind of decentralized, you know, so I guess what we're trying to do is building like the Silicon Valley for the blockchain crypto space mm -hmm. and show, give people a glimpse of what the future society looks like, you know, where, you know, I meet someone like you, I meet someone like someone else and I go, wow, she's so inspiring. I want to support her. How can I, you know, invest in her or if someone does have money how can they do some work to get a piece of their future success and, and get a piece of the pie so we want to show how you know we're doing two um village projects here one of them will accommodate three and a half thousand or four thousand people the second one will accommodate between 35 to forty thousand people we want to show how both of these um essentially village village and town can be can showcase what the future society looks like you know so if you think of you know imagine all of the apps that exist now you know whether it's uber or airbnb or you know wikipedia many of these things you know now there are lots of cities around the world so what we're trying to do is imagine you were back in time and you built a a, a way of a, a small a case study of or experiment of what uber looked like for a small town you know what airbnb looked like for a small town it's 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 um it's possible to do it all at the world at once, but we just want to show, you know, for um, a community of 4,000 people, a community of, you know, 40,000 people, what it looks like to live and to operate within a token economy. Yeah. So so what exactly, how does this uh, model of yours or experiment, I don't know if I can call that, really, really work, like in logistical way? Yeah. It basically... Um, is a society where, you know, the ownership is distributed. So, you know, if, if you go to a restaurant, you can go onto your phone and buy into a piece of the restaurant, mm. you know, or you meet, you know, someone who's an artist or someone who's a writer, you can find out what their token is and buy into a piece uh, of them, you know, so okay. that, that, that is the distributed cooperative economy that unit helps to power. All right. Awesome. And um, so talking about uh, unit again, how far do you think you are in your mission of what you are trying to solve uh, with UNIT? And probably I think this is the question I should have asked uh, a little bit earlier. But if you could explain the structure of what UNIT is and, uh, you know, mission you already spoke a bit about, but, but really what are your future plans uh, with UNIT? So yeah, in terms of where we're at the moment and where we're going to be in the future, um, you know, at the moment we're a team of 60 people, our community is about 30,000 people with about 200 tokens issued. 
Um, our initiatives are going extremely well. Um, we have five main initiatives, conferences, ventures, um, master's program, university and news. Um, we, we are working towards, you know, having a few hundred case studies of token-based projects and building out hubs in lots of different cities. Um, we are working on 50 different cities and 50 different industries, working on building teams within each of them. Um, in terms of where we are at the moment relative to where, we, where we're going to be in the future. So our goal is, you know, 7 billion people in the world having a token for themselves. You know, we're at a, we're at a moment now where there's 8,000 tokens that exist outside of UNIT. There's about 200 tokens that exist within UNIT. So, you know, it might seem that we have a long way to go. So I guess by 2025, we want to have, you know, the early adopters, you know, the, the 3, 4, 5% of society creating a token, buying into tokens, supporting tokens. And then what we expect is between 2025 and 2030, for everyone else in the world to either be creating tokens, buying into tokens, um, and um, and that's when you know everyone else is going to catch up. So uh, you know, I'm curious. Like you are from uh, the VC world as well, right? You were working with venture capital, and then you've uh, been a founder yourself. And uh, I particularly, when I talk to traditional VCs and um, you know startups that have nothing to do with tokens or crypto and it's something they just don't want to touch or invest <laughs> in. So what has been your experience when you talk to that ecosystem of yours uh, that you were a part of or were you luckily part of people who were already early adopters of crypto? And um, I'm just trying to get a sense of uh, do you feel that we are getting out of the bubble and really traditional VCs are trying to understand? I think still not. So I think we're, we, we still need to cross over the chasm, you know, the innovation chasm. And I think, you know, the treasury is what's going to get, you know, the serious investors of the world to understand tokens. You know, until we have this treasury, you know, people are going to look at tokens and they're not going to get it. They're going to, like, how can something which is a few months old be worth a few hundred million dollars? They're going to be like, this mm -hmm. is ridiculous. What is the product being sold? Where's the value coming from? You can't just create something there and you can't just pump it up. And then dump it. You know, it needs to have you know some real underlying fundamentals, and um, and and we're super confident because we think that you know unit is, is going to help us there. And I speak to a lot of my friends who are you know super high profile entrepreneurs or investors, and they just look at this space and they go, like, it's just so disappointing. It's full of scams. It's so little substance. It's so little value created. But you know, there are a few you know that are in the space which see the future. You know, it's kind of like you know if you looked at the app ecosystem and you're like. Wow, you know, there's so many apps which people are downloading, um, but it's not making any money. You know, people apps are getting you know crazy amount of valuation, but none of them have real business models. Um, or internet companies which are just hemorrhaging and wasting um, venture capital money. You know, so we think that you know it's just a matter of time before the real projects emerge, underlying business models, products, and, and substance, which uh, which allows them to have long-term sustainability. Okay. Yeah, I mean, particularly, I also feel that because I'm in touch with both sides. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's what also we at Ocean through this podcast are trying to do and, you know, like, uh, close that gap a bit and try to educate people around it. Um, so yeah, it, it's actually been a great conversation with you and Gib both. And uh, on a closing note, I would um, ask you <laughs> to leave us with like one message that we do with every guest uh, per se, um, ideally related to, you know, democratization of data and uh, one message that you want um, to leave 
and that you want people to take through uh, this entire conversation? Yeah, most definitely. So I would uh, recommend creating a token, you know, issuing a token or unit, um, building, you know, an underlying economic economic model behind it. So a lot of people think that tokens should be like currencies. You don't have to back it by anything. You don't need a business model. I would, you know, be, you know, uh, believe that, you know, every token is more like a software share where, you know, it has to be providing products and services and have an economic model because then it basically has the financial sustainability and economic sustainability to grow in the long run. Otherwise, you know, people buy, people buy, it skyrockets in value, mm -hmm. and then people start selling it and then it drops. And then people are like, oh my gosh, it's the end. I lost so much money. <laughs> and then, you know, the cycle repeats. So the cool thing about, um, you know, this treasury is it really allows for that long-term sustainability. Okay. Thank you. Then, uh, Michael, it was great talking to you. And um, we'll be in touch once we have probably a token for our podcast itself. <laughs> Yeah, please do it. I would love to, you know, buy some and share of our community and, you know, share of close advice and friends. And yeah, really appreciate the kind of opportunity. Looking forward to it.